0: It's in it. I wonder how much of it too, Derek is. They all see everyone else doing it and realize, ah, we don't have to go crazy this year. Like, all right, well, the Cubs are stepping back and the Reds are stepping back and the Cardinals aren't doing anything, the Brewers aren't doing anything and the Pirates are the Pirates they're rebuilding as always. I don't need to extend myself this year. Not in a weird year where revenue is uncertain.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Best Podcast in Baseball, brought to you by Closets by Design of St. Louis. I'm St. Louis Post-Dispatch Baseball writer Derek Gould, joined this week again by good friend and KMOX 1120 AM sports host Kevin Wheeler. How you doing, Kevin? Happy New Year. Healthy. Thank New Year. you, man. Yeah, Happy New Year to you, too, man. That sounds really good. I like the sound of all that. Of... of- KMOX, 1120 AM, Kevin Wheeler. Yeah, it's nice to, it rolls off the tongue. It's almost like it was, you know, 12 (laughs) years ago. It's funny, like, you know, in in our
0: weird, like, sports media business, it doesn't usually happen where you end up back at a place where you left or a place that told you to leave, one or the other, right? And in in my case, it was me taking off and heading out the door. So I'm I'm happy that they were willing to open the door back up, man. This is, it's definitely comfortable. Let's put it that way. It's definitely like being back home.
1: One of the things... As you know, one of the things that's part of your job there at KMOX will be being featured in the winter warmup. The Cardinals are going virtual with the winter warmup this year, and you are hosting a panel on the broadcasters, correct?
0: Yeah, it's called Inside the Broadcast Booth. That'll be uh, on Monday at 1030 in the morning, and it's going to be and I don't know why they tasked me with this, maybe because I have the biggest mouth of them all. Uh, but they have tasked me with wrangling all of the broadcasters that are going to be there, and they're all great guys. I'm teasing because we're all broadcasters, so we all talk, but uh, obviously it'll be Danny Mack and uh, Ricky Horton, John Rooney, uh, Polo Asensio is going to join us there, Rick Ankiel, Al Roboski, Mike Claiborne. I think uh, I think there may be another addition or two in there, too. I'm not 100% on that, but uh, that'll be a hell of a lot of fun, and I, I can't wait to, to get the Danny Mack, Jack Buck stories, and I can't wait to Talk to all these guys about how they do their thing and and you know, get the The nice thing about all of this, Derek, is that like we'll be taking questions from people that are watching in real time, but people can also submit questions like now if you want to, if you just go onto the website. How do they do uh, that? Uh Cardinals.com slash WWU, which is the kind of got everything for the winter warm up. And then there's a link there for the virtual experiences. And right at the top of that page, there's a little thing that says submit your question. So you put in your name, you pick which panel you want to ask the question. So like if you wanted to ask a question of the 2011 World Series reunion, guys, um, which, Mm -hmm. by the way, sold out today. So if you missed out on that, you missed out on that. Uh, But that's the the first event. That'll be Friday night. You can still submit a question to it. You don't even have to be signed up for that uh, for that
1: virtual experience. So it's pretty cool setup. Yeah, that is. Yeah, it sounds interesting. I'm eager to see. I'm going to try to observe some of them i'm real interested i always like the fact when uh when folks from the front office or folks from the dugout are put in a position where fans are asking the questions um you know the curveballs that they'll get how it disarms them a little bit versus Mm -hmm. when they're being asked by the media so i'm really eager to see how this plays out virtually um you know we have a lot to get to in this podcast and the way i have it carved up kevin is i think we'll spend about 15 minutes on baseball and then the next 45 on the mandalorian are we good with right. that hey whatever you want man it's your podcast so i'm this all i'm going to follow spoiler your spoiler fest of mandalorian talk <laughs>
0: <laughs> i got to i got to admit man that that is arguably top 2 or 3 of my all time favorite tv shows really oh yeah uh oh, absolutely wow. i mean the i'd put uh so, i mean again if i'm having a conversation about this that's definitely in it, along with like Game of Thrones and and The Sopranos and things like that. The Wire would be in there, but it, it's mm-hmm. uh it's an all timer on my book.
1: Really, that's interesting. Yeah, were you a Western fan? Not really. That's the thing. No, like you know, I, I think as a
0: kid I watched uh,
1: the Rifleman. Bonanza,
0: no, I didn't watch any of those. I didn't watch any true westerns. The closest thing I came to a western was. Um, uh, what was the David Carradine show where he played the role that Bruce Lee was supposed to play? Like a monk, like a Kung Fu. Oh, it's called Kung Fu. The show it's is called the called Kung, Kung Fu. That's the closest thing I watched yeah. to a Western in my life.
1: And then kind of he reprised a little bit of that role for uh, Kill Bill. Yes, exactly. The yeah. Quentin Tarantino movie. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Kind of played off from that. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So, yeah, that's it. But I do love like
0: Western. Like, I, you know, if you ask me some of my favorite movies, like Tombstone is definitely one of them. Um, oh, that's interesting. You know, if so you ever maybe watched, vibe. yeah, yeah. Have you ever watched the TV show uh, Deadwood? Um, which is another one that I'd put on my all-time list. If I have a top five, Deadwood's in my top five for sure. I mean, that's not even debatable. I've been to Deadwood. Amazing. Have you really? Yeah. I want to go there. Is it cool or is it not worth it?
1: Uh, it's changed. You know, okay. it's uh, Deadwood in South Dakota. Um, it's Deadwood. It's not uh, It's not too far from Sturgis, to be honest. Um, okay, okay. You know, and it's changed through the years. You know, it, I, I've been driving through there, and there was like, oh, there's a Holiday Inn. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that's what I didn't expect. <laughs> um, yeah, so they, did, they didn't
0: preserve <laughs> it for history, I guess, yeah.
1: No, they did. They. I mean, they have a downtown walk, but it. But oh, it's, okay, it's, okay. it's part Main Street USA, part Deadwood. It was along those lines. i huge fan of Magnificent Seven, uh, okay. and there are definite strains of Magnificent Seven. Yeah. In Mandalorian that were very appealing.
0: Yeah. Uh, I just liked. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm having not really been particularly drawn to the way it has the Western feel, just the fact that they they did such a good job with the details uh, and, mm-hmm. and that it was fun and funny and all that at the same time. Right. I mean, it wasn't just uh, one thing. I mean, there was plenty of good action that was pretty well done. Uh, the effects are pretty well done um you've got the the cuteness factor with little grogu you've got the laughs that are going to be in there with some of the side characters and of course with the, the little guy i don't know i mean i just think it, it was a really really well done well-rounded show
1: let's pivot from talking about a man in a mask to talking about a man who wears a mask in or <laughs> molina this is the way man this is yeah what we're gonna no do. that's it you know um the mandalorian of the cardinals uh yadier molina Still unsigned as we record this, uh, you know, the conversations are ongoing. They've talked at least weekly, um, you know, Yadier Molina's representative and, and the Cardinals. Yadier Molina has been more open on, you know, on on Instagram um, yep. about all yep. the workouts he's doing, um, mm-hmm. you know, subtle comments, uh, joking around about playing for his brother's team, things like that. Um, in a in an interview, you mentioned Polo Asensio. In an interview mm-hmm. for La Vida Baseball, um, and he's done this in other interviews, too, that he's given in Spanish, where he talks about the notion of being able to walk away and being proud of his career. And if the offer isn't there, um, whether that's the financial aspect or the year aspect, he hasn't exactly said. But if the offer isn't there that is right, uh-huh. um, as he put it, then he can walk away with his, quote unquote, head held high, um, which is something he has said something you know along the lines of before, but never probably crystallized right. like that. Where do you think this ends? Well,
0: it's a good question. I mean, like, th- there's another way. I, I started to read a little bit of that too when I was, when I was reading your piece today and looking forward to listening. Um, I, I might need to have my little handy-dandy translator next to me, but I'm going to try to listen to uh, the interview uh, in Spanish and try to figure it out as I go. But um, I, I think that there are a couple things. I mean, one, it, would it be beyond us to think that maybe that's also trying to ramp up the pressure too. No. I mean, we've seen him do that before with other in other ways, right? Whereas, like, hey, if, if um, you you know, uh, w- trying to you know apply pressure by throwing out, hey, fans, who, uh, where should I go play? Who would you like me to play for? And doing having some fun with his followers on Instagram. He's enjoyed example. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think you know, again, maybe this is similar, but I do think he means it, and I do think that you know he said those things before, right? I mean, it wasn't that long ago that we thought that twenty twenty was going to be it. And, you know, he obviously changed for a number of reasons. I also wonder if it's also a reflection of the market, Derek, that know I've been going through this, you know, I wouldn't say daily, but multiple times a week on sports open line and talking to people in other markets who cover baseball. There aren't that many catching jobs out there that are full time. It's going against right. the trend, right? The trend in baseball is guys that are going to share time. And then there are the handful of the elite guys that are going to be everyday players. So where's the everyday catching job for Molina outside of St. Louis? Because clearly he has that here. If he stays, he's the catcher. And they've shown that, that's going, that that they're going to go with with kind of how he's feeling and what he wants to do, right? When he wants to play, I mean, he plays. And that's, yeah. that's not going to be the case in many other places. Now, maybe, maybe if Philly loses Real Muto, that could be the case for them there, right? I mean, Maybe. Maybe it maybe it's the, that's the way it would be with the Angels, but they really seem to like maybe. Stassi. They seem to like Stassi at least enough to want to play him. And he had a pretty good year last year. I know he's hurt. You know, like he's coming off hip surgery. So Lord only knows what that's going to mean. But I'm not sure that that's going to be the definition of a full time thing. And every other team that has been linked has either filled the spot or has someone else like I mean, like look at Washington. I talked to to Grant Paulson the other day on Sports Open Line. Grant works for MLB Network Radio, and he does talk radio in D.C. also. Uh, So he's based there. They love Jan Gomes. Jan Gomes is making $7 million this year. He's not going to make that to sit and play once every 10 games. He played 50% of their games the last two years. So when you look at the the actual jobs that are available, how many of them would be on a contending team that would be an everyday job? And I'd say that you're down to really Two for sure, Philly if they don't have Real Muto and St. Louis, and then a, another one or two that are maybes. Yeah, one of the maybes is the Yankees, right? Like, what's an
1: everyday? If they're going to trade Sanchez twenty. They don't even have to trade him. I mean, why would they have to trade him?
0: Well, they don't have anywhere else to put him.
1: I like mean, a, I mean, he, what is his bat all that great that you have to be in the lineup every day?
0: Well, I mean, he is a thirty homer catcher. I mean, when you got guys I mean, he had and he was yeah. really bad last year and he was he was shakier the year before. But I mean, this is still a guy who got to what I forget what it was. Did he get to a hundred home runs faster than anybody in baseball yeah, history right. or something along those lines? I mean, yeah. that's a legitimate, like a legit bat that you don't want to just have sitting on the bench and you've got Stanton DHing, you got Judge mm-hmm. in right field, Aaron Hicks is your center fielder, and I think they seem to like Clint Frazier a little bit. Uh, Correct, and they yeah. also—they're probably my guess is—and it, it just as is going by reports, it's not anything I know, but sounds like they want to bring back Brett Gardner too, um, right? Kind of a, now that know.
1: might be a little bit like the Molina thing with the Cardinals. right, exactly. I mean, That's right. It'll come back, and yeah. in
0: his case, you can see it being, uh, you know, it's a part-time deal where, you know, when 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 Stanton and Judge get hurt, <laughs> you've got somebody yeah. that can step in. But I mean, like, it, it's not an—it's not that it wouldn't fit, but I would think that at least you know, somewhere around that deal, probably not before likely after they would have to be moving Gary Sanchez. If you're going to bring in Molina, right. I mean, otherwise you're talking about a timeshare and does that appeal to Yachty?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it depends on how they carve that up. Like, you know, you know, there's a lot of focus, obviously Yachty wants to play every right. day, but there's also evidence that, you know, in the last few seasons, he has caught a lot. He has caught a lot, yeah. but he's also missed weeks at a time where somebody else had to catch. So, right. you know, you know, I don't know. And they're, they. You know, with Gary Sanchez, you could see that as an investment in his future, right? You get a guy who's better than him catching, catching, Mm -hmm. catching, making very clear defensively. Defensively, does that help him? You know, does that help him advance as a catcher? Does that does it give him somebody to watch? I don't know. It's just I'm not saying that that's what's out there. I just think it's it's an interesting element of this, especially when you're talking about teams that really want short term deals. Well, here's a guy who is at least open to a short term deal. Um, you know, what does that look like? I want to give you three scenarios and have you think about that. Which one is the worst case scenario and which one is the best case scenario for the Cardinals and Yadier Molina. Okay. For the, from the Cardinals perspective, and I'll, I'll give them to you and then give you some time to think as I, as I read the, the, the ad from the sponsor. So the three scenarios are Yadier Molina resigns with the Cardinals. Yadier Molina signs with somebody else or Yadier Molina retires, which is the best and which is the worst-case scenario for the Cardinals? And while you think about that, I'll tell our listeners about Closet by Design of St. Louis. Imagine your home totally organized. Closet by Design of St. Louis can help you get organized with 40% off plus an additional 15% off and free installation. Call 1-800-BY-DESIGN today. That's 1-800-B-Y-D-E-S-I-G-N, 1-800-BY-DESIGN. Closet by Design of St. Louis, the official sponsor of the best podcast in baseball. Do you need me to hum the Jeopardy tune or tune? Or do you <laughs> no, hum?
0: no, I got. I, I had. I have. I had an answer the minute you finished the words. Uh, I think that the, the wow. best scenario, the best now scenario is off. that he stays. Yeah, the best scenario is that he stays because think about what you're tell What you're. What you're building your team to be. You're building your team to be pitching and defense. Yeah, it, right. and I'm not. Ru- I'm not ruling out any offensive additions. I mean, your reporting on that has been consistent. Um, you know, it. It sounds like when you listen to you know, Mo and Gersh and and Bill DeWitt Jr. and even Bill DeWitt III, you know, that they're they're keeping their eyes on things. So this is not ruling any of that out. But when you're building yourself as a pitching and defense thing, he's kind of the nexus of those two things, right? I mean, he's the guide for the pitchers. He's obviously, you know, still good at the job of being a defensive catcher, even if you're not going to just talk about managing a game and calling pitches and handling pitchers. He's still good at, Throwing runners out, for example, he's still good. I know the the framing numbers are weird, um, and every every year they're weird because they tend to fluctuate because it's an inexact science the way you, the way it gets measured. Uh, you know,
1: Real Muto's didn't much from last year to this year, and that might just be because of the small sample size of this year. Right, be. We have to take that about. And Molina's really, I mean, I'm not going to say that it did not compared to McCann. You know, James McCann went from like. Somewhere in the 60s below average, right? Right. Not very good at all to, you know, top 10 ish. Yeah. Mitch Garver you know, did that too was, with Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. And Molina was, uh, you know, I don't know. Molina was in the 20s one year and then top 10 the next. Yeah. 12 this past year. I mean,
0: well, I've actually I done, know. I mean, I, I did a, I part, this is probably good. I don't know. Probably maybe even seven or eight years ago now. But I, you know, I, you know, you know, uh, uh, Brooks Baseball, right? Dan Brooks? Yes. Um, yeah, th- he, he did a study about pitch framing like eight years ago, something like that, and I worked with him on it and a former major league catcher worked with him on it. And one of the things we were trying to figure out is, like, what goes into a pitch being called? And this is the problem because a lot of it has to do with things that ch- change from at-bat to at-bat. Sure, there's technique, Right. I mean, the big mm. thing in modern baseball has been the technique of bringing lo- balls that are below the zone up into the zone as you receive them. And that's something that yeah. even at the younger levels, you know, even kids that are 10, 11, 12 years old, Derek, we're, we're working with them on that. That technique of
1: Interesting. you know,
0: being below the ball and working up to the zone rather than starting in the middle of the zone and, and working out from a center point. You start from the bottom right. and you work up. And that's working for guys like Garver. And it's, you know, when you see a guy make a big jump, it's probably because they did that. They got better at, at framing the low ball. But the problem is that on every individual call, there are all kinds of immeasurable factors. What's the umpire's tendency? What's the reputation of the catcher? What's the reputation of the pitcher? What's the reputation of the hitter? And all of these things go into that instantaneous decision. So if you're looking at Greg Maddox on the mound with a gold glove catcher and a rookie hitter, where do you think that call is going to go? Right. It's going go no, to right. battery, right? I mean like right. it's, and that's why it, to me it's 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 not an it's not something that's useless but it's also something you have to put into context when you're evaluating it. A guy that has a staff like if you if you're catching for Scherzer, Strasburg and Corbin, you know, you or you're just a just a really good veteran pitching staff in general or even a staff that's known to be a strike throwing staff. You can get benefit of the doubt even if it's not you doing it. Or you can do everything right and the guy that you're catching for is wild and he's now lost the benefit of the doubt. Like that's the part that makes the all of the framing numbers to me very difficult to put too much weight on, especially when we look Get at it. someone like Molina, who's got a long history of being an
1: elite defensive catcher. So sorry, that was a long-winded way of No, that's okay. I, because <laughs> I found that interesting. No, yeah, I mean, and you know better. Uh, you know, and, and you your your core point is the fact that if you're gonna build your team on defense. Defense is how good you are up the middle a lot of times. For sure. The Cardinals have um, not exercised the option on their gold glove second baseman up the middle. Right. The Cardinals are viewing center field as definitely a position in play. They're going to go into arbitration um, and and work out a deal with Harrison Bader, and they see him as their returning incumbent center fielder. But they're going to throw competition at him in Lane Thomas and Dylan Carlson. So that's up the middle. You got Paul DeYoung is really the only person and then the pitchers um mm-hmm. you know but even your gold glove pitcher is a free agent so um if you're gonna be strong you know it's the backbone of of the defense right yeah and the uh the balance point of that or or the cornerstone of it is definitely catcher and yeah. he's just influenced so much of who they are and what they are and right. what the pitchers are and everything like that so that's the best case now let me throw the curveball uh, at you, oh, and what's the worst case? What is the worst? Well, oh, the worst case is he goes somewhere else.
0: I mean, I think if if end he, and he goes, ends his career somewhere ends else. up retiring as a cardinal. I think people are going to be disappointed, but they're not going to be angry. If he goes somewhere else, people are going to be angry. You know, they're they're yeah. going to be upset because they're going to view it entirely as a money related thing. I mean, and maybe that's right. I don't, I you know, I don't know, and we don't know. I maybe you know better than me, but. Um, if he does go somewhere else, the view of it from from a at least a sizable percentage of the fan base is going to be he left because you wouldn't pay him, and right. you know how you know how that yeah. money argument is going to work. So if Absolutely. he goes somewhere else, that is clearly the worst case
1: scenario. Is it possible that within the walls of Bush Stadium over there at Clark Street that they think the best case scenario is that he retires?
0: Uh, maybe. I mean, it it's probably the best financial setting, right? I mean, he's I can't imagine he's gonna work super cheap. And you are in a year where you're trying to squeeze water from a stone when it comes to your budget, right? I mean, that's how it's being kind of how it's being framed. Um I know that they they have to want to see more of of Andrew Kizer. I don't think they want to see more of Andrew Kisner at the expense of of Molina. I think that they understand what we were talking about, that kind of that nexus between and it certainly Mike Schilt wants Gaudir Molina back uh to be the the quarterback of the team on the field. Um, but yeah, he's not hit that. No, but, at, but at some point, I mean, you might, you, you might be able to argue if you're looking at it, you know, kind of, this is, you know, this is one of those things that nobody would ever say out loud, but if you're looking to get more offense, you might get more from Kisner. Um, even if he's not a quote unquote every single day player, but you could bring in a, an Alex Avila, somebody like that, a veteran who has started and can play a lot and also brings you a lefty bat, and you may get more offense out of that position with the combination of those two, but does that outweigh what you lose when it comes to the impact on the pitching staff? And all that? We, we're not going to know that until we see it, right? right. I mean, so right. I, I, I would bet that, I mean, I, I've never heard this, but I would bet that there are some people that would be interested in seeing what it looks like uh, moving on, but I also understand that you know, if you're looking for the known, the known commodity is obviously Molina. And if you're going into a year where you're not spending a lot of money and upgrading and other things, you probably should remain good at the things you've been good at.
1: Yeah. No matter the cost.
0: I wouldn't say that. I mean, I, I, there's got to be a number, right? I mean, I, I don't know what that number is. I mean, I, I've heard that, you know, you you've reported it and others have reported the, you know, that $10 million AAV. I'm not sure if anybody else is doing that. Are the Yankees doing that? I mean, you know, they're I playing. They're playing games with with DJ LeMahieu. Not playing games. I mean, the games. Says I mean that they're putting right.
1: I mean, how do you, how do you, as an agent or you as a player, go? Okay, well, James McCann got ten million per year for a four-year deal. Mm-hmm. How do you, how do you accept less than well, that?
0: I mean, first of all, McCann's like seven or eight years younger. Number He's one. 30. He's His offensive numbers the last two years have been significantly better.
1: His. Yes. With, when you include 2020. Correct. Yes. Yeah. I mean, if just if you take
0: if you just take 2019 and 2020 as a whole, because you're, you're right, 2020 by itself doesn't tell you a whole lot. Uh, 2020 combined with 2019, I think, is kind of the the, the sample size you'd want to look at. And, and his that helps the numbers are a bit yeah. better. Now, my my knock is I don't think McCann's worth that. I mean, this just right, two years ago. He was late. non tendered. I mean, he's right, never two out of the tube. He's never been a, a quality hitter as an everyday player because he right. was not an everyday player with the White Sox. He was a timeshare guy, and he played a lot games. against left-handed pitching, and he crushes left-handed pitching. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure that's a good deal, and I'm not sure I want to base my evaluation on that. Um, especially when you also throw in the fact that there's an owner there that's looking like he's
1: willing to overpay for things. There's a little bit of a Tyler Chatwood element to the McCann signing in a the little sense. Bit. That I think you're right. Yeah, Tyler Chatwood had all the fancy metrics, um, you know, that the teams that are smart and want to make smart signings go and sign. And, yeah. you know, the, the Cubs went and signed him, and they they won, and the Cardinals had some interest in it, but they went and got Michaelis instead. Um, they were able to get Michaelis, and the Cubs wanted to get Michaelis, didn't, and then went to Chatwood because right. he had all the peripherals, all the right. things that, you know. We're saying like, well, his ERA should be this. You know, right. he should be this. He should be that. His spin rate is such that his pitches should do that. And there's a real distinct feel with McCann that it's the same kind of thing. Like the metrics are saying he should be this. Well, he can do this. And yep. it's like, well, at some point in time, the baseball card ought to show that he actually does do yeah. that. Yeah.
0: I mean, you, right. know, you, you know my background, right? I mean, I grew up a Tigers fan, so I've watched Correct. James McCann since he was a minor league player. And... I liked him when he was coming up with Detroit. He was always a good defensive catcher. He can throw. He's got a really good throwing he arm. He can throw. Um, yeah. He's always had he's a, a little power release,
1: as they say. Right.
0: He's always had a little power at the plate. You know, even even in his years in Detroit, in seasons where he'd be like three hundred fifty at bats, he'd hit double digits in home runs. So you know, he's a guy that that can hit the ball out of the ballpark too. Which, by the way, is another one of those things that works in his favor. Um, but even, even as somebody that's tracked all that and has seen it. I I'm surprised at the amount of money that he got. I, I mean, I, I think there's just so little track record of him being a regular everyday catcher and having success doing it. But as you point out, you look at these last couple of years, you know, that, that average exit velo off the bat has gone up. It's put him in a, in a category where he's above average. Um, you know, it's weird though, because his 2019 defensive skills weren't very good, but in 2020, all of a sudden they got really good, which is interesting to say the least, but, with the bat, yeah. you know, the hard hit rate, the exit velo, those things were all pretty good uh, in the full season of 2019, and they basically stayed the same last year. So, you know, is it a case where he figured something out and maybe maybe got a tip or two from Jose Abreu or, wh- you know, whatever? I mean, you know, we've seen this recently, like, with guys that, heck, Justin Turner went from utility guy to rock star, you know? I mean, right. uh, just from a couple of tweaks. So to maybe that to utility t- guy. Yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe McCann's <laughs> just figured that part out. But sure, I still think that contract is a bit of an overpay.
1: Yeah, it still sets the bar and you could I mean you could see why it may not happen, but you could see why that would influence what Molina thinks he could get. You know, yeah, he's yeah. been an above average offensive catcher for every year but twenty twenty by a lot of measures. I mean, you can do weighted runs created. Um, OPS, not so much because the slugging has been down, but on base percentage average, but weighted runs created. You look at that or some of the other things, um, he's been above average for an offensive catcher, except for 2020, when you could say, well, that was a small sample size, or he had COVID or any of the number of things. Um, and then he's been above average when it comes to defensive metrics, um, by, you know, as far as the, you know, there's been obviously, uh, you know, variations right there's been some oscillations of stats but the 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 average and the avenue that he runs is above average defensively even now so you can see the logic behind commanding that you know mccann is a bit of an outlier already this winter because he's a free agent he left the white Sox um for the mets and that makes him the one player who can connect two of the busiest teams this winter, two of the rare busy teams. <laughs> yeah, um, He's the one, he, he's one of the few players who left the White Sox because they've actually been accumulating players. Um, then the Mets traded for Lindor and the Padres have been active, obviously, um, you know, but it's the teams on the coast, the few teams on the coast that have been most active and the White Sox are alone, right? In this region. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I guess you could say the Royals, the Royals have made a move or two, But as far as making like the most of the hot stove and really cranking up the heat of it, it's been the White Sox and the White Sox alone in this entire region. Yep. What what do you make of that, Kevin?
0: Well, I mean, a number of things. I mean, obviously, the the two central divisions, if I'm not mistaken, comprise most of the smallest markets in baseball, right? Correct. I mean, it's not like Tampa. Obviously, Tampa exists, but if you're looking at the smallest media markets, not you know, not talking about population revenue, centers. right, right. Not talking about like who's good at revenue or whatever, because typically Cubs and Cardinals would be really high on those kind of lists. Uh, and obviously Chicago is a big population center, but outside of Chicago, all of the other central division cities are toward the bottom part of the media market size, the population size of the major league cities. So you can argue a number of things that, you know, maybe the economies have been tougher there than they were in the bigger cities. Uh, maybe they just had smaller budgets to begin with. A lot of them did. I mean, that's, again, not true of the Cubs and Cardinals in recent years, but definitely true in Detroit and Cleveland and Kansas City. Definitely true always in Milwaukee. It's true in Cincinnati. So when we go through uh, Pittsburgh, of course. So when you're looking at all of that, I mean, that, that's probably largely what explains it. And also the, the it's it's the curve of where they are, too, in their development, right? I mean, a lot of those teams, you know, there's what, three or four of them that are that are still in rebuilding mode. Um, there are a couple like the Indians that are kind of in a transition. And the other part yeah. of it, too, is you know, we're seeing teams, Derek, like the Mets, the White Sox, and the Padres that are that are really active and going after it now. But for the most part, in the last 10 years, they haven't spent anything. Right. I mean, the Padres had 10 losing seasons before 2020. And in most of those seasons, they were in the bottom 10 in payroll. In a lot of those years, they were bottom three or four. There were a few years where they were the lowest payroll in Major League Baseball. The White Sox have been exactly the same thing, short of a run here and there. They have not spent on payroll commensurate with their market size, probably since they were what a world since they won the World Series. <laughs> like they've had a lot of runs here where they are a low payroll team. And and I think the same thing is true for the Mets. How, how long were the Mets run as a mid-market team under the Wilpons because they got hosed in the Bernie Madoff scandal?
1: So, yeah, a decade.
0: Part of part of all of this, too, is the 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 perspective that those those teams haven't spent until now. So they see opportunity. And in the Mets case, you've got now the richest owner in baseball, so he can do what he wants. But, it's you know, I, I'm not sure that they're the model. I just think that they it just this happens to be lining up for them right now in an offseason where nobody else is
1: really in position to do what they're doing. What do you make then of the Cardinals division, the NL Central and the. You know, I went through all the transactions. Um the Cardinals are the one team in the division that has yet to make a trade. However, all five teams have lost, you know, starters, like yeah, players yeah. who from their roster. And there hasn't been one significant add in the division. I, I, that's bonkers.
0: It is. It is. I mean, so, again, some of it is probably teams that took a bigger hit, right? I mean, look, last offseason the story with yeah, the, the Cubs of course, but that was their own fault. Right? That's yes. not that's not uh, I, I shouldn't say fault. The fact that it's true, right? Right. I mean, it's not. I, I shouldn't say fault, but all, that's from a lot of things outside of the playing field, right? I mean, sure. that's from
1: that's from, but that's where they're at,
0: right? And, and that's from extension with the idea that it's going to be a growth area, but then COVID hit, and you know, here you are on the on the wrong side of that. Um, you know, I think the example, another example, is the Reds, right? This time last year, they were the big spenders. We're going to contend. They went out and got a bunch of players. They spent a bunch of money. And that's the year that COVID hits. The year that COVID hits is the year that they increased their payroll. And they go, so right. they, they, they they clearly took a bigger hit than anybody thought because not only have they already moved players, but there's still all kinds of reporting about Sonny Gray being available and Mike Mustakis being available. And they talked to the Nationals about Eugenio Suarez. And most of these guys are on pretty team-friendly deals. So clearly right. the Reds feel like, you know, based on what happened in 2020, they can't maintain where they were going in going into the that season right i mean they, they they clearly are adjusting we know the pirates are always the pirates they haven't spent for real in what since since we are family in 1979 i mean it's wow. been a long time since they've actually maintained a real payroll on that in that in that city um and of course milwaukee is kind of in the same spot as the cardinals right i mean they're not making you know they're not making a ton of moves but they're also i mean like they're not subtracting a ton but they're also not adding anything um, and yeah. they seem to be in that same space where it may not be about dramatic cuts, but it's certainly going to be about anything that's an addition is going to be um team friendly is that the, is that the is that the right way <laughs> the right way to put yeah. it team friendly so i i I think it's it's in it I wonder how much of it too Derek is they all see everyone else doing it and realize ah, we don't have to go crazy this year we can i mean I, I don't think that's how it started, but I wonder if that's part of what's playing into it too is that Like, all right, well, the Cubs are stepping back and the Reds are stepping back and the Cardinals aren't doing anything. The Brewers aren't doing anything and the Pirates are the Pirates. They're rebuilding as always. I don't need to extend myself this year. Not in a weird year where revenue is
1: uncertain. I don't know if it's so much keeping up with the Joneses as much as it is not wanting to be the one that steps forward. Hmm. You know, you see this a few times, like maybe mostly in the draft, right? Like teams will work out deals with the player that they drafted at 14 and they'll work out a bonus and the bonus is greater than the slot value for the guy at 12. Right. But you won't hear the announcement of the 14. They won't confirm or right, anything like right, that right right. Um, because they don't want to skew or give off the perception that they're skewing what the guy at 12 has to pay. Right. 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 So it's a little bit of a, uh, a weird market factor in the sense that if everybody else is holding back, it's not about keeping up with the Joneses. It's about like, well, let's see where the market goes. Let's not be the one that steps forward right, and, right. and and raises the price or pays a higher price. Because if everybody's stepping back, then maybe we'll see costs go down even further. Right. So like I said, I don't know if it's as sunny as keeping up with the Joneses, whereas it's more <laughs> more strategic in the you know if the joneses aren't spending you know then maybe the maybe the lawn service won't charge us as much if none of us are doing something oh you're right and then everybody's lawn gets crazy
0: i think that's why 25 teams are sitting
1: around watching right i mean they want the prices to keep coming down i think it is and so yeah i think it is you know the is it possible that the division is just awful yeah it's possible but I mean, or, or is it super competitive because everybody is just kind of on a skeleton crew?
0: It could be. I mean, I, I would imagine most of these teams will still fatten up on the Pirates for them. I mean, I feel like I'm picking on the Pirates, but I mean, the truth it is, they, true. there's nothing there. And they really have always, way, even when even when they had their window, Derek, they they didn't finish. Right. They had a chance where they could add some players in the middle of a run. They didn't do anything. And then as soon as anybody gets expensive, they're gone. So. Yeah. I don't feel bad about picking on the Pirates. I mean, that's a team that's been horribly managed for a long time. And then they tried Josh Bell. Right. And then you got a like guy that's not expensive. Right. And and you don't get a whole lot for him. Let's be honest. Um, right. And you know, that, that kind of thing is, is weird. Right. And then you, do, you, then you make the dumb deal to get Chris Archer and you trade away two guys that are now stars that are now, you know, mm-hmm. I, you know, Well, I know Meadows struggled in 2020, but I won't judge him on that. But, you traded away a guy that's like an everyday right fielder for a contending team who's going to hit in the top of the order and a top of the rotation starter who might have the nastiest stuff of any starter in the game. And he right. was pit- and out and of the
1: bullpen man. in Pittsburgh because they couldn't figure him out. And he has the bravado to, to be a postseason starter, that yes. he showed during the World Series. Yeah, yeah. Very so impressive.
0: I'm not cutting the Pirates any slack is what I'm saying. Um, no, should you. And you're going to win a lot of games against them. I mean, that team's bad. And you know, not not to say that any of these other teams are great, but I think you know Milwaukee could probably make the argument that all right, a better Christian Yelich makes us better, right? I mean, if if everything else is roughly the same and he's more like himself, uh, which he basically was last year after the first two weeks, right, or the first three weeks, whatever it was. Um, so you know, that's the weird thing about that short season is lots time of to-
1: strikeouts early, and that's yeah. that's what did it. Yeah,
0: and then be, yeah. then he got back to being Christian Yelich. Uh, It just doesn't look like it because you didn't have any time to build the total numbers back up where they would be over six months. Um, So, you know, I think they they can reasonably think that just him being not getting off to a bad start, they'll be better. Um, But it's it's possible that if one of those four teams also falls off, that the records might look just like the records of other division leaders. Because those other divisions are going to be beating the hell out of each other, right? I mean... It looks like the East is going to be beating the hell out of it itself because the Marlins don't stink. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? You yeah. know, the, the Phillies don't plan on being bad. The Mets are contending. The Nationals are trying to contend. The Braves are the division champs. So that division, their record might not even reflect how good those teams really are because they play so much against each other.
1: Right. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Interesting. W- where? So who's the favorite in the NL Central now? <sighs> That's a good question. I don't know. It,
0: it might be the Cardinals. Because they have pitchers, right? Because they they have pitchers, and yeah, y- I mean, I, I know we I know that there are questions about the rotation, right? I mean, we still have to see like how does Michaelis bounce back from the injury, sure. you know, things like that. Who rounds out the rotation is Wayne O'Back? like that's that. Those things are all legit questions, but you've got extremely talented answers for those things. You've got you've got more than you've got more than five major league quality starting pitchers in this organization right now. You've probably got seven or eight. The question is Can that. You- Ahead, sorry. Could
1: you say that about other teams? Could you name the five no. starters for the other four teams?
0: I probably could, but I couldn't name six, seven, or eight with the, the guys that give you options and give you any quality. I mean, I know the Cubs starting pitching at the top of the organization is really thin. It's basically Adbert Alzalea, and that's pretty much it. And he may be in the I mean, regular of the they have Kyle Hendricks right coming back from the rotation. Kyle and Hendricks. Hendricks and Davies. I mean, they're going to be – and Mills, right? So they're going to be the masters of the 86-mile-an-hour fastball. Um, right. And, you know, you look at Milwaukee – they have potential, but we've still never seen, for example, Corbin Burns have success for more than a five-week stretch. Right. You know, I mean, and, and he's very gifted. Like, he's probably got – he's got great stuff. He's got stuff that could play at the top of the rotation. Uh, but they don't have any back end of the rotation depth, really. Uh, and their bullpen is amazing with Williams and Hayter, but how much is it beyond those guys? Um, and, I, and I think that, you know, Cincinnati is trading their pitching, or at least the way it sounds. I mean, they don't have Bauer anymore, so that's a pretty big change. Uh, and if they trade Sonny Gray, I mean that's not even a that's not even a, a team that's trying to, to contend anymore. I mean that's a team that's right. trying to get prospects and turn the other way. Meanwhile, I look at the Cardinals and who knows what you know. I don't I don't I don't know how the the rotation is going to to totally play out. But I mean when you can look at the options that they have, and I think Derek, they will have if not the best bullpen in the National League, top two, top three. I don't see how that bullpen isn't like the strongest in the National League right now. Going into next year, when it comes to what you're getting back, what you had already, the different looks, the power arms, the the three different types of lefties, the guys that can get multiple innings, I mean, sh- strikeout guys, I, I think that might end up being what gives them an edge over everybody
1: else, um, especially in the era of the bullpen. The Cardinals bullpen will be exceptional if the bullpen can avoid having to cover innings for the rotation too many yeah you're right you're right i mean if they if some of those guys have to jar loose from really exceptional roles in the bullpen to start covering innings for the rotation Mm -hmm. then it's going to look a lot different it's it's it'll be overtaxed and maybe thinned out but that should be that could be that absolutely ought to be a strength of this team for the exact reasons you said i mean you you know, you have a bullpen that potentially will, I mean, that has Hicks back first and foremost, right. right. But then potentially could lead into him with Alex Reyes and Yenesis Cabrera and, and Gallegos Andrew Miller and, and, Gallegos. and Hellley. <laughs> and Heldley. I mean, that's, and, and we, you know, I was putting together the roster for what it might look like. And Cody Whitley was on the outside looking in yes. and he has horsepower and a sinker. Yep. And you could definitely see him as gallegos like so um yeah i mean that 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 absolutely has to be a strength of theirs. could do you what are the chances that you think that the nl central that we see today is the nl central that opens up the regular season whenever opening day comes
0: you mean in terms of the rosters yeah Or the power structure or both
1: <laughs>
0: the rosters yeah um i, I think they're they, they'll all be doing something Right. I mean, yeah. I'm not sure how much the Cubs are planning on adding. I mean, it doesn't sound like they are, um, you know, but they, you know, if there are bargain basement deals out there, they're there. That's the thing. I think a lot of these teams are going to be adding. Everybody's going to be adding players. I mean, think about how many free agents that are out there. And at some point those guys are going to want jobs. So mm-hmm. I, I would imagine it's not done yet. Like I, I still think the Cardinals are going to add something. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's, you know, a Tommy La Stella. I don't know if it's a, it, it, the guy that I really, 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 really like. And he can't be more than a few million dollars because of what he's made. And, you know, all that is is Danny Santana. I mean, mm. every everything adds up on Danny Santana, Derek. He plays literally every position on the field. You can put him anywhere. So no matter what you need, if you need a corner outfielder, he's played. He plays center field. He's second base, third base. He's not a great infielder and he's not a great. He's not a good shortstop. You wouldn't want to put him there very often. Uh, or you wouldn't want to put him there outside of an emergency, but he plays first, second, third, left, center, and right. And he's a switch hitter with no left-right split. And if you look at his batted ball data from the last couple years, he hits the ball. He's he's in the top tier. He's in the top 25% of exit velocity and, and hard hit rate. How could you not want that kind of player, which gives you the flexibility to do anything else you might need? So if Matt Carpenter's hitting, hey, guess what? He can hit because we can play this guy at second base or he can move to left field or what? I mean, I just think that having a movable piece like that would be super valuable. And I think those are the kind of guys, whether they end up in this division or not, those are the kind of guys that probably do end up shaping kind of the top of the division as we start the season.
1: I mean, Cesar Hernandez is a little bit like that right, like a sleeper edition that you go like, oh, I could see wire, I could see that fit. I could see where that helps the Cardinals. He's right? different than what I'm describing of- there, but yes, yes, he's a switch hitter. Yeah, no, he's, but I mean, like in that, in that right in the sense and a good good fielder at second base. Yep, yep. You know, no, there's no question that, that
0: he's he's that kind of guy that that you know d- depending on you know what what people are willing to to throw out there money wise. He's definitely he's definitely more. He's more proven than Danny Santana, right? I mean, Santana was gone for yeah. a long time and then came back with Texas and crushed the baseball. And then last year was hurt. Uh, but even last year, I mean that that average exit velocity was almost ninety one miles an hour. That's high end, and that's not playing around. <laughs> I mean yeah. that you know the year before that he was in the top eleven percent in exit velocity. He was in the top quarter in hard hit rate, sprint speed. Expected slugging, expected batting average, and he had their actual numbers to go with it too.
1: So tell me how that's not a Chatwood-like example where you're looking at artisanal stats. Well, I mean, it's. I mean, you could look at the regular ones if you like.
0: He hit 28 yeah. home runs and drove in 81 runs and stole 21 bases, <laughs> and, well, and, no, okay. and hit and hit 283 and plays every position on the field.
1: I like. I like all those. I just. I just you know wanted to kind of push back there. You know yeah. because you know I. I it, we can all seek out the stats that support the argument that we want to make, but we lose the fact it's that whole, what's the signal and what's the noise, right? right. What's and, more predictive, right? What's more predictive and X's VLO is awesome, you know, but are, have we seen a referendum on how much that's worth as a predictive factor? I mean, um, Randall and- Grichuk has great exit velocity has for a long time and he's the player he is. Right. Because he
0: because he doesn't because he's first of all cuz he swings and misses too much. Uh Correct. but but also, you know, if you look at like for example Santana, one of the things that started to work for him is that he he started hitting the ball in the air, which he didn't when he was a younger player. He had a lot of ground balls cuz he was fast. So he was a young guy, right? So young speed switch hitting shortstop was probably taught hit the ball on the ground. When he figured out mm-hmm. that he shouldn't hit the ball on the ground, he started putting up numbers. Um, now Gritchick's is a different story and his exit velos by the way are going down like they are going at, down. You look at his Cardinals years he hit the ball hard but what what balanced it out though was the really high strikeout rate. Like you know he was mm-hmm. in the bottom you know bottom 5 to 10% in the league in strikeout rate in those years. Um so you know you're not getting the bang for the buck that's what you that's where you'll get you know the the you know 17 home runs and 300 at bats but the 240 batting average you know something along those lines you know and that, and that's the thing is yeah. n- not none of those things are good by themselves because if you're if you're looking at it and saying okay this guy's got great um batted ball numbers or this guy's got great spin rate on his fastball or whatever well if they're not having success there probably is a reason <laughs> and right. you have to look at that and and that's what the stats will tell you right the like the the regular traditional numbers will tell you does all, is all of that stuff Connecting and then if not, what's not connecting? Why is it not working for a guy that hits the ball really hard, or why is it not working for a guy that has this high velocity, high spin rate fastball? And you know, obviously, mm-hmm. you know the the people watching, that you know, especially people like you know, baseball scouts and and front office people that are looking at massive examples, like massive numbers of examples, they can see, okay, well, this guy leaves his fastball down the middle too much, <laughs> or right, or this, you know, this hitter in particular. Um, you know, twists himself into the ground over swinging. So when he hits it, he hits it hard, but he strikes
1: out too much, and therefore he's not getting the bang for the buck. I really like the way that you connected the predictive stats to the pile-up stats and said that what allows the predictive stats to then improve upon the pile-up stats or the traditional stats mm. is coaching. I mean, a lot of it is. Yeah. Not one I mean, way that, or another, that, right? Yeah. I mean, and that's really brings us to where the Cardinals have kind of been searching a little bit is how is it that they weren't able to bring more from Randy Rosarana? Was it just merely playing time or was there something more to it? Why aren't they able to get the player that they think they have in Tyler O'Neal from Tyler O'Neal or from Harrison Bader or, you know, or from Marcelo Zuna while he was here? Was it a health issue or is it a little bit more complex than that? Because, if the peripheral or the artisanal stats are telling you everything that you need to know to predict what this guy is going to be, then why aren't they getting that production? What role does coaching play in? And I think that is a significant question yeah. facing the Cardinals.
0: A couple of things that, that we have to pay attention to on this too, it, it, That in because this is, you're right. This is kind of the, the core argument, right? Is, um, and I, I think the case of a Rosarena wasn't coaching. It was identifying and giving an opportunity, whatever the reason was, They did not want to put him in the outfield regularly in 2019.
1: That is correct. It it was a defensive thing. Yes.
0: yes. So they decided that we're better knowing the guy's going to catch the fly ball than we are giving the guy that might be the higher end upside. That was a decision. That wasn't a mis-evaluation.
1: That was a pivot over a week, and we saw it happen in real time, and they actually talked about it. And it Because it it went from... I mean, it went, we can, we can track it. It went from Lane Thomas getting more appearances. Right. Yep. And them talking about, okay, well, Lane is going to start seeing more time in center field. Then Lane Thomas gets hurt. Yep. And they're like, well, now we don't have Lane Thomas. All right. Well now we're going to double down on defense and Harrison Bader is going to play a lot because he's going to catch everything. And it was a conscious decision to say, well, we thought we could find the best blend of offense and defense with what Lane was giving us. We know we have this offensive producer, Randio Rosarana, but that we don't think is going to compensate for the loss of defense out in center field. So let's just go back to what we know we're good at and not take the big risk on high offense and instead play conservative. Shocker. I know. Cardinals yeah. conservative. Yeah. But go with Bader. I mean, we saw that evolve in like a maybe seven day span and people were like well you're retrofitting no they talked about this at the time yeah they may yeah. not have used the same names they may not have been you know but, but this is what they were talking about and in the comments you know back then we could actually talk to them in person and this is what was going on <laughs> right and and look there there's
0: there are other elements to it too right i mean um you could have given a rosa Arena a a chance to get regular at bats in right field but right you were committed to the veteran making money. And 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 by the way, Fowler did not have a bad 2019 by any means.
1: No, oh, and he was um, doing well at that time, remember?
0: Yeah, and this, I mean, the second half, he was probably league average-ish. Um, he was better in the first half than the second half, if I remember right. But again, he wasn't doing anything. And by the way, he was also the key to the top of the order with him and Wong getting on base. Right. I mean, right. that when the team took off, it was because they moved those guys to the top, which put some OBP in front of Goldie and DeYoung and Ozuna and all that. So, you know, that was when they finished strong in September in that year. So, again, I, I'm not saying that they should have said, oh, no, Dex has to come out. I can see why you kept him in, because he was one of your on-base guys. He was one of the only people that was setting the table for the guys you wanted to drive in the runs. Um, but that was it. That wasn't an inability to coach Randy Rosarena. And it was an ability to identify a talent. It was that you didn't give him a chance. Now, maybe, maybe, and, and you know, we have to give Mo, We'll defer, I'll defer to what Mo has said on this. I mean, he said, yeah, we blew it, essentially. I mean, that's not a quote, but I mean, he's like, that's on us. We made the mistake. We, we, right. we traded. Maybe I don't think he would say it this way because then it puts other people on the line, but essentially they traded the wrong guy. Um, but here's the other part of this. I, I meant to start off with this and I got sidetracked. Gee, imagine that. Um, <laughs> we We only see, the successes and failures that we're paying attention to, right? So we can look at a Arena and say, wow, look at, I mean, Tampa, Woo, look at, look at what that, they must've unlocked him or they figure. Yeah. Well, why didn't they figure out Hunter Renfro? Why didn't, why haven't they figured out Kevin Kiermaier? Cause Kevin Kiermaier can't hit. He's a bad hitter and he's been there a long time. I think sometimes we overdo these, these kind of, uh, evaluations that, you know, this guy was quote-unquote unlocked. I mean, the smart part about Tampa was they realized that Rosarena had talent, but but they also paid for that talent with a first-round draft pick, left-handed pitching prospect who's a top 100 prospect. Right. I, I I think that we – and then we'll look at that and say, well, the Cardinals can't unlock these guys. Tampa
1: doesn't unlock everyone. They're, right. they're hit and miss just like big big everybody else. I don't think it was a big secret that Randy Rosarena could hit. Like – like he hit everywhere, everywhere he went. He I agree, hit. but he it never was, hit like he
0: did last year.
1: I mean, he was always I mean,
0: well above league. A- well, he did in the tri- in A. Yeah,
1: I was gonna say in A with the rabbit ball, he went bonkers. Yeah, I mean, he he. Hey man, hit. we made a song about that. Don't don't forget. I know, I know. You were his. <laughs> I'm surprised I have to say this. Um, <laughs> I mean, he just, he hit at every level. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I heard that. It was like a chorus. It was like you line up eight scouts and you ask them about Randy or or Rosarino and they go, well, he hits at every level and they say it in different octaves and it sounds, you know, beautiful, but because they just were all echoing each other. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I agree that like you, you do focus, you focus on the convenient success and you agonize over the anecdotal failure. It's, I mean, that's just the way. it and is. And every um, fan base
0: does it, by the way. I mean, you you go around Major right. League Baseball; they're all they're all wondering why this guy on their team is underachieving, and you can't figure him out. I mean, it's it's not a it's not a perfect science. It's very it, sometimes it's very difficult. I mean, you know, you look at right. what what you know the Cardinals as an organization. What do other organizations marvel at with the Cardinals? It's that they do it's, this year in and year out with the pitching, right? right? I mean, they, they identify the, the pitchers. They identify what they're good at. They figure out what they need to be better at. And holy crap, you look at it every year, there's a new pitcher or two com- making a debut in that season. You're like, where'd that guy come from? <laughs> right. And, and, you know, and you're not saying that because you cover the team. I'm not saying that because I cover the team, but people all over baseball are like, who in the world is Jordan Hicks? And why is this guy throwing 104 and why has nobody ever heard of him before? Like right. they, they, they do this extremely well on one side and they don't have as much success on the other side. And, you know, the reason is offense is hard. Pitcher, pitchers yeah. are supposed to succeed and they're not the only team that has hitters that are underachieving. Now, they may be the, right. one of the teams that, that don't have enough proven hitters, which is why when you and I talk about these things and have for years, I always talk about the known versus the unknown. That's why a known candidate is a known candidate because they've shown what the they can do. The sixth
1: tool player, the sixth tool player, where the sixth tool is consistency. Yes, exactly. Okay. Where right, that's probably, or, or by the known. way, that's probably
0: Eddie Rosario's best
1: tool. The sixth it tool. Is. Because you know what he is. Year. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. That you know what you're gonna get. I don't know. You brought up Jordan Hicks. A uh, quick story about Jordan Hicks, and then I want to close quickly on, on a subject that involves him. Quick story on Jordan Hicks is that there were teams that tried to trade for him when he was at Peoria, right. As he started to arrive and started to just not just unleash, um, velocity, but to unleash a high velocity sinker. There were some teams, smart teams, new, you know, thinking teams and and crafty teams that were trying to trade for him. And the Cardinals were like, what, we're not fools. We can (laughs) see this too. He is our guy. Like it was very funny. Um, Right. So he's one of the guys who is arbitration eligible. Notably, Jack Flaherty is. Um, interestingly, Alex Ray is is, and Harrison Bader also is. Uh, this week is the deadline for teams to exchange salaries with their players. What that means is the player puts forth, player's agent puts forth a salary request. The team puts forth a salary um, offer. You mm-hmm. uh, used to see that they would arrive at the midpoint and a deal would be done and arbitration hearings would be avoided. More and more teams are going with the file and trial because what they saw was that the gaps were getting wider between the salary offered and the salary requested to raise that midpoint agents got smart yeah they thought well if we're going to arrive at the midpoint let's start heightening the midpoint (laughs) and so this widened the gap of offers and you see more and more teams going to file and trial for that reason the cardinals have been a file and trial team here recently with one notable exception um, it was a spillover from talks before the deadline that they felt they had traction, and then revisited with these guys: Flaherty, Reyes, Bader, Hicks. If you, GM Kevin Wheeler, had the choice, would you go to any of them to talk about a multi-year deal at this point, given all the financial concerns and given their positions on the team?
0: Uh, all of the pitchers, I would. Uh, you would all three of them. I mean, again, all depends on the number, right? I mean, you know, with right. with Re- with Reyes. You've got a long history of injuries, so what kind of number are we talking about uh, with Hicks? You're coming off Tommy John, so you feel pretty good that you know you're going to get past that for a while, at least. Um, although you never know when shoulder problems are going to pop up following a Tommy John, but um, I'd feel pretty good about those guys as long as we're not talking about ridiculous numbers. I would certainly be trying with Jack. Well, Flaherty. Flaherty. I, don't, I don't know that you're going to have you success. Are about,
1: you are talking about a ridiculous number with Jack Flaherty.
0: Yes, exactly, and and I'm okay with that. Uh, and I think he's worth that. But I'm not sh- I'm not even sure that the player wants that. I mean, you know, we don't right. you know, he's he's obviously very uh, in tune with what's going on with the CBA and the modern economics of baseball. So, you know, I, I, you al- you almost have to even over overpay, I would think, uh, to get that done. But it's, a, it's the conversation I'd want to have. I'm not sure I'd want to have that conversation with Harrison Bader. Uh, and it's nothing against him. I think he's a really good player. But what I don't think we know yet is—is is he your everyday center fielder? Because that's something you really would pay for. Or is he a fourth outfielder? I don't think we know fully yet. Uh, I mean, you're getting there. I mean, he's twenty what twenty seven years old now. So you're kind of
1: four. It's yeah. year four.
0: Yeah, you're getting to that point. But today,
1: how long does it take? You got a hundred and sixty two game season. This isn't the NFL.
0: I mean, I'm I'm with you. I think I think it's hard at this point to expect something to be dramatically different. Again, we've seen it. We've seen players dramatically change their profile at the plate in their that's late twenties. I mean it, all it, it of is, them have a change of scenery along the way. That's for sure. Um you know, a guy that made a change, it was from one I mean, thing to another. Wrong. Right. And, you know, Matt I mean, I mean, honestly, made a like, it in, in that risky. in that in that range, right? But he, he uh he I was already so, a, good hitter.
1: Evolution. Yeah. a good hitter.
0: Yeah. yeah. So yeah. You know, it's a it's a different yeah. argument. So yeah, I, I would I would say that, you know, that's part of the reason why I wouldn't want to commit to anything now is I'm not sure yet based on what Dylan Carlson shows me, based on, you know, God, what O'Neal or or Thomas show me. I'm not sure that he's my everyday guy, and I don't know that I want to engage in a long term conversation when I'm still trying to figure out how the pieces fit.
1: Right. Yeah, I mean, Flaherty's an interesting conversation because from Flaherty's point of view, he's gonna he's gonna want a deal that represents the second half of 2019, and from the Cardinals' point of view, they're gonna want a bargain by showing the body of work. And you know, Flaherty's side can argue this is this is what his potential is, and this is what you'll be getting. And the Cardinals will be like, yeah, but this is what we haven't. It's gonna be this is what we know we're getting, and this is what you know the the predictions say of a good strong half, and then two. No. So I think Reyes is the most fascinating to me um, because of the yeah. injury history, because of the fact that, you know, you could go to him and offer him something he hasn't had, which is security and what that looks like um, right. as far as moving now on a deal that in somewhat could mirror, though it wouldn't be as costly, what they did with Lance Lynn, where Lynn was still able to get to free agency. Um, but it just took one question off the table every year with this arbitration aspect, and it would do so as they go towards a CBA that might alter the look of that arbitration structure. That's all. I, I right. think that
0: Reyes is and it's interesting too because so, he could also be a starter, right? I mean, we're we're not closing the book on that, are we? No, no, that's what I'm saying. Is yeah, like so I mean, he would uh, get the
1: security and they right. get the flexibility. Yeah, yeah. Right. It would it would just take one question off the table, so. Let's conclude where we began and that of course is with the Mandalorian. <laughs> the the big ending, um I don't know if I should give it all away, but the big ending was someone swooping in a knight in shining armor. I mean, uh, let's so be honest, big, how many weeks ago was this? I'm trying to be respectful of well, the people just, who if you if you haven't
0: seen it yet and you're planning on it, stop listening right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay there you go have to i mean it's been a month man it's, it's been a month you know i mean fine yeah. fine the knight in shining armor luke skywalker shows up um in in full power to to rescue the day yeah. so if we began this by talking about the cardinal's man in the mask and their mandalorian who for you no limits is the knight in shining armor that comes through at the end of this Ooh. Who is the Jedi Knight at the end of the story? At the end of this winter, that comes through to change the look of the Cardinals and save their perception from the ain't you know the agitated fan base? Wow, that's a great question. I mean,
0: the the answer can't be Dylan Carlson because he's already wh- here, right? Because he's already here, he's but already also, story. but also he he wouldn't be like the equivalent of of Luke Skywalker in his prime baddest ass in the universe, right? I mean, you know, that's,
1: (laughs) that's that's a very good twist.
0: Yeah. So, you know, it, it can't by by definition. It can't be a young guy. It's got to be somebody that, um, is proven, right? I mean, that's what, at that point, when, when we're seeing Luke at the end of the, of the season finale of the Mandalorian, you're seeing Luke in full form. Like we never saw him in a movie. We're seeing right. him in the prime of his career. No, that's 27-year-old Mike Trout right there. You know, 28-year-old Mike Trout. That's that's as good as it gets right there. Um, or at least based on, you know, what we've seen. Um, wow, that is an amazing question. Honestly, I ha- and I have to pick one because otherwise it's, it doesn't work. The conversation is stupid. I can't cop out. Um, the guy that could be the, the hero and all of that, that comes from – Clearly comes from outside the organization. Um,
1: Why don't boy. I do the ad while you give it some thought here? That's Get fine. Yeah, you do with, that. You do that. Okay. All right. Get organized with Closet by Design of St. Louis. Update your closets, garage, office, pantry, and more. Call 1 800 by design, 1 800 B Y D E S I G N. That's Closet by Design of St. Louis the official sponsor of the Best Podcast in Baseball. You can find the best podcast in baseball at stltoday.com and anywhere you get your podcast. Again, we've expanded the places where it's accessible to all sorts of listeners. We appreciate the community that has grown up around BPIB. We are racing towards the ninth season of BPIB. It'll start when spring training does. You can also find the Constant Cardinals coverage at stltoday.com and in the pages of the post Dispatch. The winter warmup will look different this year. It will all be going online for the Cardinals, but the Post Dispatch will continue to have the blanket coverage that you expect from the weekend at STLToday.com and in the pages of the Post Dispatch. Kevin Wheeler will be featured on KMOX and 1120 all weekend, hosting a panel of the broadcasters. But you can also hear his, you know, well his shows on KMOX and 1120. Kevin, do you have an answer?
0: Uh, you know what? I got one, and it's not going to happen. But this is to me the scenario. Okay, Cl- Cleveland Craters. Based on what's been happening, they have decided to listen on Jose Ramirez, and you go get him in the middle of the season. Hmm. Perfectly middle affordable season. deal. It's going to cost you. You're not going to get away. This is going to hurt. Like you're going to. It will definitely hurt. You're going to give up people you do not want to give up, but you're also getting. You know, whatever's left of age 28 season, age 29 season and age 30 season. Nope. You know, at no point paying more than 13 million dollars. Those are team options for the next two years at 11 and 13 million for an elite switch hitting all star caliber player that plays second base and third base. There's there's your Luke Skywalker.
1: That's a really good answer. And I mean, again, it's going to
0: it's going to if you do that, you're going to first of all, you are gonna have real competition because everybody in baseball is going to want him. And this I'm talking in season by the way not by opening day I don't think that guy no, that's a great by point
1: day but I think that's something that is definitely in play for the Cardinals the the roster that is built on the go
0: yeah and you know that's going to cost you people you don't want to move that might cost you Nolan Gorman mm-hmm. it, it might but if you're getting Jose Ramirez for the next three years I'm not saying and I'm not even saying that you're going to do it or that you should do it or whatever I'm saying that if we're looking for a Luke Skywalker that's the guy he plays the positions you need help at. He's an elite middle of the order bat and I mean he's got and he's got that every single year same guy thing for the last 5 years.
1: That was a fascinating answer. I really really thought you were going to say Nolan Arenado. I I don't believe they're ever going to take
0: that contract.
1: They're not. The the only way that they 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 would do it short
0: term is if it's cost neutral, right? So that means right. you got to convince Colorado to take Fowler and Carpenter most likely. Um, which no, is fine, but neither party. of them, they both no, no, no. have no
1: trade, right? Or pay cash. I mean, just, you have, I mean, they're not going to want to work their way backward when they can just cut a check. That's a way to make it cash neutral. Well, that's
0: either, either way. Yeah. I mean, you can do, put that and it doesn't have to be cash neutral for the long term. but then you still have the opt out. Um, I mean, they don't even get the draft
1: pick if they take on those salaries. That's the problem. Right, 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 right.
0: So, I mean, but here, this is, this is the thing that, no, you're right. That's a good point. Um, yeah. No, I mean you, you would have to go more than that. But fine, make it cash either way, it doesn't matter to me. Um I I I think that the Ramirez contract is more of a Cardinals contract.
1: Absolutely. That's a good I answer. Mean, well done. Know, I think that he's
0: available and he may not be, but if the Indians crater, they have a couple injuries on the pitching staff and they already, you know, the lineup is already shaky and you've already moved on from Lindor. I could easily see them in July going full fire sale. And say, give us the best offers for Ramirez and wh- whomever else is close to
1: making any money. That's a very good answer. Like I said, you're, you're now the Dave Filoni of baseball coverage here in St. Louis. Well done. <laughs>
0: uh, and again, it's just a, it, it, you know what I, I'm going to hate. Somebody's going to be like on Twitter going, I heard the Cardinals could do this. Like, no, you didn't hear that. <laughs> you heard me make something up. <laughs>
1: but it heard me ask a star Wars question.
0: Yes. I mean, look, it's again, if you're going to, it's gotta be somebody of impact, right? I mean, so again, Aaron Otto would be a great answer. I just feel like that, that the, with all the things that go into that, his contract, his, his opt out clause, where does he want to go? I mean, he's in control. He can determine where he wants to go. He can say to the Rockies, you're either going to keep me and pay me, or you're going to trade me to the Dodgers, or you're going to trade me to the angels. or You're going to trade me to whoever the hell I want to go to, because I have the control. And we got a lot to overcome there. I don't believe you have any of those things to overcome with a guy like Ramirez. You just have to have the best offer. And it would be hard to do. It's a, it'd be a it'd be a hefty offer.
1: Kevin, thank you very much for this conversation. I much appreciate it. It's been good. Yeah, I I always have fun talking to you, Derek. I mean, you know I'll do this anytime. Anytime you right. ask, I'm here. The best podcast in baseball is brought to you by Closet by Design of St. Louis. You can find Kevin Wheeler at 11 eleven twenty a.m. and part of the Cardinals virtual winter warm-up. Thank you all for listening. Stay tuned, stay informed, stay healthy. Kevin, you can have the, you want to have the closing line? Uh, Be nice people. This is the <laughs> <I'm> way.
0: <saying.
1: laughs> this we is just, the way. I, Let's do that. This is the way. You want to try again?
0: This is the way. I feel like I'm doing a voiceover and keep getting it wrong. That is definitely our way.